Welcome to a Stockflare podcast where you have Shane here from Stockflare and Gotham, uh, one of our friends and supporters here in London, who is a uh, big fan of uh, the stock market uh, as well, where we're going to talk about uh, earnings and different valuation metrics. And what we want to do at the end of this podcast is to give you an idea of how we look at investing when we look at a stock for the first time. And with that, hopefully you can go off and when you're doing research yourself, uh, improve how you do that research. So we're going to cover seven things in this uh, <clears throat> call. The first one is what do we look at for the first time? And the second thing is to point out that one of those things is earnings and what you should do when you look at earnings. The third thing we're going to talk about is the ways that you can use earnings in your analysis for the first time of looking at a stock or even looking at your existing portfolio. And then in our fourth section, we're going to point out that there are problems with earnings and therefore you need to think about alternatives uh, to earnings as well. Um, then in section five, let's talk about not just the actual dollar number of earnings that a company has, but what should you think about when a company reports $1 of earnings versus one of its competitors re reporting $2 of earnings? So the relative value of those earnings, and then also how are those earnings changing over time? Then near the end, sixth, we're gonna talk about red flags when there's a problem. And then seven, we'll raise uh, some comments about exceptions to these rules. And then we'll talk about all of the different sectors and the way to look at the earnings in all those different sectors. And by the end of this, you'll say to yourself, ah, now I know how to use earnings when it comes to investing. So let's dig in at the very beginning. So Gollum, when you're looking at stocks, uh, what are some of the key things for the first time, you've never looked at a company before, what are some of the key things that you think about that when you've been served a stock up in a platter, when a friend rings you up and says, hey, you should look at a stock, or you're just chatting about it? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is, um, does it make any money? Um, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a more of a personality thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I tend to gravitate towards established thoughts yeah. that are at least have uh, something hang, hang uh, you know, your coat on. Uh, as it were, so uh, shots in the dark aren't my game. I'm looking for things that uh, have a little bit of a history behind them. Okay, well that's 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 fair. I'm I'm pretty similar. I I will occasionally look at what I refer to as speculative stocks, um, but by and large, I prefer to buy businesses that are making money. And personally, I also like ones that are paying dividends. Okay, so let's let let's now move to um, our our second topic swiftly, mm -hmm. which is which is earnings. Um, pretty much every time you look at a website, Stockflares, Google Finance, Yahoo, anyone, they'll always throw the EPS figure at you, the earnings per share. Um, and it's for me, this is a nice shorthand about the profitability of a business and the cash flow of the business. But uh, what do you think about this figure as a, as a tool when you're looking at a company for the first time? Well, purely as, as a number, EPS means nothing much to me um, you know looking at uh, it, it can be a very awesome looking number yeah if you consider something like a Berkshire Hathaway their earnings per share is in the tens of thousands just because they don't have that many shares out yeah uh, even though on like a, a corporate basis their profits compared to something like say Apple you know they're two different things so EPS on uh, its own to me doesn't mean much. What 
does become interesting is the PE, which mm-hmm. is another thing that usually accompanies an EPS. Uh, yeah, that's always there on, it's the, always on, there on, on right financial inside. websites. Yeah. Uh, even that, it's it's not that important in an overall analysis, but uh, it does give uh, it does pique my interest because a really low PE, just because it is such a popular metric that uh, people follow. If it's really low, chances are I'm going to take a deeper look into it. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I when I look at earnings for a stock. I, I like to think of this as a shorthand for the profitability of a business. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking about earlier, a company is worth what money it makes. Exactly. Because ultimately, when you own a company, you're a shareholder. And they work for you. And they generate cash flows. And some of that cash flows is paid out to you in dividends. And some of that cash flows is reinvested in the business to help grow the business. So every quarter or once a year, you get this figure, which shows you what the accountants think the profitability of the business is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, sorry to interrupt, but that's partly why I don't put much weight into it. Because it is, it is what the accountants make it out to be, which we'll get into in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, true, true. So it, it has its issues and its wrinkles. But as a first-glance figure, you use the earnings figure, you divide it into the price to get the price-earnings ratio. So some companies you pay 10 times its earnings, some companies 40 times its earnings. And it's a way to immediately look at why is this company, uh, you immediately can tell one company is more expensive, in inverted commas, versus another company. So in your mind, why would one company be more expensive than the other? Well. if you think about it logically, like the only reason you'd pay more than more than um, more than uh, you know a dollar for earnings today uh, is because you expect those earnings to grow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, the only reason you'd pay more for one company than another company is because arguably you expect it to grow faster. Yeah, because ultimately you're expecting the same. If, if two things cost $100, right. you're expecting the same $100 back. Exactly. So one is just going to be growing much faster. So you get less earnings this year, but over the long term, over you'll the get the same cash flow. So it's really a great symbol of the market's confidence in the growth of that business. Right, exactly. So, and a good example these days to be current is something like a Gilead Sciences. It mm-hmm. trades at uh, something like seven times... Uh, this year's earnings at 10 times this year's earnings, seven times next year's earnings, which for a company that's grown as fast as they have would seem really low until you start digging into it and you figure, oh, the market is just telling you we don't expect this company to grow too fast in the future. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Okay, well, let's move to the the, the third. So, so we're all actually already inside the third section is ways to use earnings in your analysis. So that's a great example. When you see a company who's whose valuation, it's you know, multiple of earnings, its PE ratio has declined a lot, it's telling you something. It's telling you that the market is not as a greater believer in the growth of the business. So that's why boring companies have low price earnings mm-hmm. ratios and exciting companies have high price earnings ratios. Um, for me, I find that this is a really, really interesting way to look at a stock over time. So. For me, if you think about a company, the long-term value of a business is all this cash flow that it's generating. Um, 
And that's something that we can try and estimate mm-hmm. as investors. We can say to ourselves, I like this product. <clears throat> it's been doing well. I understand the growth of this business. But the market and the way the price of the stock changes is driven by two things. One is those fundamentals of the business, and the other is sentiment. Exactly. Is sentiment high? Is sentiment low towards the stock? And for me, I like looking at PE also not just uh, you know, as a way of looking at that sentiment, mm-hmm. because the same stock may have the same earnings today and six months ago, but the price may, but the be, price may be very different. Exactly. And, the, and, and that's because the sentiment has changed dramatically, not the underlying fundamentals, or the sentiment towards the long term. So I always like taking the price, divide the earnings, look at the PE, and then look at the trend of how both the earnings are changing over time to see how the fundamentals are changing over time, and then how is the sentiment changing over time. And that's one of the ways that I like to use this as a quick way of understanding how the market is changing and the sentiment is changing and how the fundamentals of the business are changing. Um, Now, we both know that there are problems with earnings. And... You you, you, you you talked about accountants earlier uh, who you know, um, you know do a very important role obviously but they are um, producing these bullet you know date numbers on a particular day here's the date are uh, the 31st of December here you go here are the figures and things don't always look the same across country across sectors even within a country within a sector different people do different things so what are the sort of problems that you can think of when it looks at earnings that we need to be aware of? Why is this not the only thing we should worry about as an investor? Well, I guess at a broad level, even without getting into sort of financial chicanery, as it were, um, one of the first things I look at, at uh, on an earnings report is the change in the number of shares that mm-hmm. are outstanding. So it's, it's really easy for a company that's facing a little bit of a decline to buy back some shares over a quarter, over a year. And at the end of that quarter or at the end of the year, the earnings per share will be higher even if the total net income was flat. So they, so, they, just so, they, so they use the cash flow of the exactly. business to buy back, say, 10% of the company, exactly. and they cancel all those shares. Right. There's, so there's now 10% less shares, so the stock, the earnings have gone up, not because the business is doing better, but just because they've been buying just back because, shares. Yeah. And, uh, but investors so often like that. Uh, investors often do because in the short term, it, it's a higher, it's a bigger number, and you are, you know, arguably getting a bigger piece of the pie yeah. if they're buying back the shares. But if you think about it in the sense that you're getting a bigger piece of a shrinking pie, yeah, then at some point the company will no longer be able to do that. So, so it's, it's a short-term way of playing with sentiment rather than focusing on the fundamentals. Exactly. And your preference is to have management focusing on fundamentals. Uh, well, not the a growth prefer- of the business. Well, not a preference. I mean, um, buybacks are a good thing. Often, um, once you have a, if you have a company that's grown really fast, really in a short span of time, chances are they've grown that way by issuing a lot of stock. Mm-hmm. And so, as they start to mature, you expect them to buy back some. Um, what is a red flag for me is essentially where, you know, earnings per share say go up five percent, but the company bought back ten percent of the float. So in essence, earnings per share actually decline. What okay. I would like to see is even with the buyback, there are still growing earnings, at least at an inflation level. Okay. Okay. So that makes sense. So you want to make see see that 
they're not just engaged in a bit of chicanery. They're actually exactly. growing the business. And if they want to return cash via buyback, sure, do that as well. Exactly. But the, but it's 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 something that you worry about if you see um, them just growing earnings by doing buybacks. Okay, so that's an example of where earnings is not a great. Uh, you know, has has its flaws. Mm-hmm. One that I always think of where it has its flaws is in very capital intensive businesses where people are spending an awful lot of money to build something, to grow something. You know, um, and oh, what Amazon. Is, oh. <laughs> so what's happening here is the accountants, because you when, you when you build something, you spend capital, and then you put it off the balance sheet. You've got this building for a long time or this mm-hmm. machines for a long time. So it doesn't actually go through the income statement. You don't, you don't charge it to your income statement immediately. You charge a percentage of it. Um, and therefore you have what's called depreciation of the asset. So you might spend a billion on something in a year, but because it's going to last for 10 years, you only put 100 million through the, uh, your, your P&L. So, the actual earnings figure will be higher than the actual cash flow figure. Now, that's not necessarily, it's not, it's not a bad thing to be uh, investing in your business, but it means that the figure isn't necessarily a perfect reflection. Uh, yeah, and the bigger problem, I guess, um, for me in that sense is it's up to the company within sort of statutory limitations. They can change how fast or how slow and what percentage of those investments they take on their income statement every year. Yeah. So one year you might have buildings depreciating on a 25-year time period, which is a normal mortgage, and the next year they might bump that up to 30. Yeah. And the effect being you, your income would suddenly jump. Even though nothing had nothing changed. Nothing has in the changed. So, so r- rather than necessarily worrying, just like with buybacks, um, about the actual policy that they do, it's to watch out for changes in policy. Exactly. If you see a management changing the policy, be careful. Exactly. And a good, I mean, uh, a very easy way to check for this is you uh, look for how much amortization is taken on the income statement in any given, in say a three-year span, and you just take the percent of the total assets on the business. So are they, are they, are they, do they have a steady policy? Exactly. Are they depreciating the same percentage exactly. of assets every year? Yeah. yeah. The truth. That's a very good uh, way to do this. Now, there is another one here which 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 drives me insane when I'm looking at figures, which is adjusted earnings. Oh, yeah. So the we we we, we have these management teams <coughs> who have accountants who produce the earnings figure, and it produces a number, but the management doesn't like it. So they produce what's called a non-gap adjusted earnings figure, and then they tell all of the brokers on Wall Street that this is the figure that you should track. And lo and behold, this figure is always higher than what is the reported EPS. So what will happen is you look at an EPS in the um, in the annual report, and it'll tell you that the company is earning a dollar, and then you'll talk to the broker, or you'll look on uh, one of the finance websites, and they'll tell you they earned a dollar fifty, and you're going, heck, what's the difference between these? That's the and, and, and it just it, it drives me. It's such an annoyance having to having to do that. I almost switch off when I when, when a stock does it to me. But what, what what sort of things do you see when people do what these they refer to as these adjusted earnings? Well, the biggest thing that always so there it's a very specific subset of companies that will do this, and it tends to be companies that are either new or they're growing really fast, so they're investing a lot in their business. 
Stock options is Stock one. Options is a big one. What's big in, at least uh, where I'm from, Canada, uh, what's big right now is uh, there's a growth by acquisition yeah. uh, strategy that's very popular. So adjusted earnings for a lot of Canadian firms these days write off uh, the amount they spent on these acquisitions. Okay. Which So it's a non-cash, so they didn't... Even if it is cash, they'll write it off. Yeah. Uh, and to my mind, if your growth... like. To my mind, your earnings should reflect expenses that drove your growth. Yeah. So if the acquisition is driving your growth, you're cheating. You're having you're your cake and eating it. Exactly. You should be not including it in your adjustments. Yeah. And in very old companies, you'll see what are referred to as extraordinary items, exactly. extraordinary charts. And then you charges. see the extraordinary oh. items every year. And then you see them every year, <laughs> yeah. and then they don't look very extraordinary if they happen every year. And this is where it might be you know, a big old business which is constantly letting go thousands mm-hmm. of employees, and they push the, that expense through the extraordinary item. Okay, so we've, we've done a good job of dishing earnings, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't what we were trying to do, because earnings is a useful um, yes. rule of thumb. But as with all rule of thumbs, what we're trying to say here is that there are things to watch out for. So watch out for the ways that these things can be manipulated effectively. And I'd, now, say, I'd say a good indicator of whether or not earnings are being manipulated is how closely they align to um, sort of expectations of the market Yeah, and how steady they are. Yeah, Because it can be, I'll give you an example of uh, a Ford. Yeah, which has a very a relatively low PE, which kind of draws a lot of people into that stock. But if you look, so if you look at the EPS over time, yeah, you know, barring sort of two thousand eight and all that, yeah, it's it's pretty steady, um, and it gives you the idea that hey, this company is kind of a steady eddy, doesn't do much. Yeah, um, if you start digging into it, it's it's a lot of changes in their pension plans, okay. changes in uh, how they've uh, financed their sales operations because a lot of company, car companies, as we've spoken about before, mini banks. Yeah, in many cases, yeah. they're more a bank than they are exactly. a car company. Uh, uh, and what's interesting, so I d- dug into Ford uh, a little bit um, a couple of years ago, and if, what, if you compare their EPS or their net income to their operating cash flows, you'll see that the net income, which is sort of open to this accounting Adjust, uh, adjustments, yeah, fun, yeah. Um, is a lot more steady than their actual cash flow, which okay, is okay. a lot more. Okay, well, this, this, this comes to the, you know, the, you know, the, the, the next topic, which is red flags. Um, so we've, we, we've, we've talked about watch the trends in these figures. Look at the absolute figure, look at how it does versus other people, the PE ratios relatively, and look at the trends. But flags. So you've raised the flag of you mentioned cash flow is more volatile mm-hmm. than the reported earnings. And for me, that's one of the really big things to watch. If over time, is the cash flow on the cash flow statement similar to the cash flow or the earnings on the income statement? And if it's not, that's for me a red flag. Something's weird. Mm-hmm. And uh, it means that there's some chicanery going on. Or maybe it's just I don't understand the business. And if I don't understand the business, I don't like to do it. What, what other sort of little ones do you watch out for when um, you're looking at earnings versus other metrics? So given a company on a plate um, and you know a couple of years of statements, one thing I always like to look for is how fast earnings grow relative to revenue. Yeah. Because intuitively, you... Um, Sort of economies of scale tell you 
that the bigger a business becomes, yeah, the more efficient it should become. Yeah. So at a point, your earnings should be growing faster than your revenue. Yeah, yeah. Because your economies of scale, fixed economies cost. of scale, Better, your yeah. margins are increasing at a gross level, at an operating yeah. level. So where you have businesses that incomes grow with revenues yeah. or less than revenues, yeah. it tells you that they're either not very efficient in their procurement of raw materials yeah. or whatever they yeah. buy or sell, or they pay their people too much, <laughs> which is, I mean, it's a big... I, I must check the banking industry it's, on these it's stats. A big, uh, it's a big issue somewhere. Uh, and Or they, you know, they've invested too much into their capital and now their amortization gotcha. is eating that into their operating margin. So they've over-invested, yeah. which can be a good thing if you feel that they've invest, over-invested now, but as time goes on, they'll invest it less. Will, exactly, it'll come through. Exactly. Come through for them. Okay. So, which, so, which could be, I mean, for a lot of, say, resource companies, it's a lot of upfront investment yeah, and the yeah, payoff is a decade out. Okay, so looking at earnings versus cash flow, looking at growth of sales versus growth of earnings. Uh, what about dividends? Do you, do, you, do you ever look at the 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 amount, the, the ability to pay dividends, the amount of dividends? It's a, it's an important it's an indicator of um, I guess management's ability to control their at least their, what they can control internally. Um, dividends to me, because of the importance the market attaches to dividends generally. Um, a lot of pension plans won't buy a stock unless it pays a dividend. Uh, so there's a strong incentive for management to have a dividend and then you know, manage that payout appropriately. So I like to have a company that is paying a dividend. Yeah, me it's too. Not, it's not an absolute... It's not a must. It's not a must, but if they are, it'll tell me how good they are at managing it because at that point... I should say I, I don't beyond the sort of the uh, the primary look at an EPS and a PE. I mostly rely on cash flows. Yeah. So a dividend for me is an important piece of knowing how they manage their cash. If for a number of years they pay more in dividends than they uh, actually generate from their operations. True. That's one that I'm always worried about. Right. And we've seen that in some industries recently, like oils, mm-hmm. where the dividend was suddenly higher than the earnings. Yeah. And it was that because the dividend rarely changes or it's, it's pretty stable, but the earnings have tumbled. Mm-hmm. And when I see a earnings figure less than a dividend figure, I'm worried. I'm worried exactly. that it's not sustainable. Either the earnings are going to bounce back um, or not. Um, and as we've seen recently, that's not the case. Um, in some in some of those cases, so for me that's another example of a red flag. So yeah. the earnings figure may look wonderful. You go, oh my god, it's a four times earnings stock, and then you go, oh, that's because the earnings probably uh, and the dividends are too. Yeah, I just can't believe that this is sustainable. No, and I, I would say like the market is relatively good at indicating that because uh, as it, like oil and gas, for example, these days you had yields at uh, sorry dividend yields last year. They were hitting, you know, nine, ten percent, which just sounded too good to be true. Exactly, and it probably is. And it probably it, wasn't true. It probably wasn't true. I'll yeah. give you the example yeah. of uh, potash in yeah. uh, Canada yeah. or Glencore here. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, eliminated it or cut it in half. Yeah. And uh, if you looked at the dividend yield before, it was hitting nine, ten, 
15%. So if it was the only thing you were looking at, it you would have got it uh, really wrong. Exactly. So as with all metrics, earnings, dividends, cash flow, right. there's no one thing to look at. You've right. got you to gotta, you gotta have, but you can start using these tools uh, to get uh, on the right path uh, mm -hmm. of your investments. Now, uh, that leads us to the commentary that there are exceptions to the rule. The obvious one is what happens if there's no earnings? Mm -hmm. So I think you know, when you're looking at a Tesla, which doesn't have earnings, um, or, 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 or any of these other stocks, um, I think we need to have a separate podcast to talk about ways to talk about those. So please, everyone who's listening, send us a message if you want to talk about companies who don't have earnings and how we look at them as investments. They're actually a lot of fun to try and value. Yeah. Because, yeah. well, they're fun for me, but I, I think <laughs> might well, not you know, be fun for you. They're, 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 you know, it's just not as easy. Because no. uh, uh, because a business which doesn't have earnings, it, it's still worth its future cash flows. Right. You know, what is, what, it's just that we don't really know how much cash we so we know they don't have any cash flows today, so we don't have something to hang our hat on when we're mm -hmm. trying to work out what the future cash flows are. So we have to really it's a much bigger finger in the air uh, test right. than uh, actually looking at a business which is already making money. Exactly. Uh, so just it's, it's, that's why I regard them as more speculative because the analysis is much more difficult. Right. I mean, and then the payoff of getting it right is will be better. Accord yeah. Accordingly, yeah. right? I yeah. always go yeah. back to you know, uh, Chipotle at some point made no money, lost money every day. Same with Walmart. Yeah. Same with uh, you know, Microsoft. Amazon even recently. I know <laughs> Google, Microsoft, all these yeah. companies at there one was point. Yeah. had no money coming in the yeah. door and yeah. Uh, yeah. and they were amazing still they are. were amazing still yeah. are yeah. okay so let's finish off in the exceptions by not quite talking about exceptions but variations mm -hmm. variations between sectors so there's approximately seven major sector groups so let's go down through from the most uh, boring to the most exciting and then back to boring uh, oils gas mining materials these sorts of businesses what do we need to think about differently about these businesses? Well, I know my approach is a lot different than yours. Yeah. Uh, my approach to all of these companies is to first admit that I have absolutely no way of knowing how much sugar or corn or coffee <laughs> or oil or pork or orange juice yeah. is going They're to sell for. They're commodities. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Uh, well, somebody probably knows, but I have no idea. Yeah. Um, so I tend to ignore it. Yeah, it's uh, it's worked for me. This I what what I tend to do is I focus on the cash. Yeah, uh, coming in the door, and essentially what I try to do is I look at a span of years, and I try to determine how many of those years the company had more cash at the end of the year than they did at the beginning. So is this company always generating cash? If not always, but at nearly least always. nearly always. Why is that important to you? It's important because if, if it, a commodity company sort of lives and dies by the price of its commodity, yeah. uh, so there isn't much uh, the management can control about, about the that, price yeah, unless yeah. they're OPEC and they're yeah. a cartel. And, that's not too uh, much and that doesn't last too long. Yeah. We've seen that with potash in the last couple yeah. of years. Uh, so if, if I see that a management team or a company can make money at the end of every year for over a long span of time, it tells me that they're good operators. Ah, uh, okay. So this is a management call. Exactly. If you're going to invest in commodities, uh, you know, oils, gas, mining, you like to do this from a, am I backing the best management? Exactly. I think the best management is one that's generating cash flow year right. over year. Right. If, if I had to take a bet on just the commodity, 
I would just buy an ETF. I wouldn't even bother with you just a company. Bother a no, because a lot of these companies do just live in. Yeah. We've seen living. that over the past. Well, year. I'd take a slightly different perspective, but I do love the way that you look at this. For me, uh, a lot of these companies can, or, you know, you, you can look at the earnings because it is always a proxy for mm-hmm. cash flow. It's just it's extremely volatile. And it's driven by the supply and demand that uh, that runs the, the commodity. But I do know people who look at, you might say, asset valuations. How much oil do they have on the ground? Exactly. How expensive it is to take out that oil? How much will that oil last? Um, and you're doing, you might say, an asset-based valuation can help you look at this in a different way. So earnings have some value when it comes to looking into this, this, this sector. But as you say, there's other ways to do this, which is also pretty valuable. And the other uh, sort of the on the asset sort of valuation, what I always have trouble with is uh, their estimation methods. I True. don't understand them. Uh, not as, only the, as, as they say, a mine is a hole in the ground exactly. with a liar at the top and your money at the exactly. bottom. Exactly. So you never know whether the rest it, of it's it a might, It might just be that I'm from Canada and Canada is sort of uh, fertile breeding grounds for junior miners mm-hmm. who tend to, when they come to the market, state... They're optimistic. Very optimistic reserves and how much they can draw out of the ground and how good those ore, how good the ore is. And lo and behold, five years later... Oh, uh, the no mine—the uh, mine is kind of not that good. Uh, and okay, so so we we can probably reserve a to a, to a whole podcast oh, on yeah. oils and gas, but uh, understand you like companies they are generating cash year in year out. Great, simple mm-hmm. management team. Earnings have a role, and assets have a role. A but role. again, there's no single thing you can hang your hat on. No. Let's move to second uh, industrials. You know, personally, I think industrials are a very reasonable I, thing to look at earnings yeah. and cash flow. I don't think there's any, you know, Absolutely they, they make widgets, they sell widgets. Um, third, consumer companies, whether it be very stable things like food companies or, uh, you know, yo-yos like the airline industry, which uh, which depends on how mm-hmm. exciting the world is. Um, I, I also find that they're pretty reasonable companies to look at earnings yeah. and cash flows. The, the only thing I change about... Uh, looking at consumer goods companies is that a lot of them, um, not consumer goods, but uh, companies like retail. So yeah. you're sort yeah. of Walmart's yeah, yeah. and Walmart's, yeah, yeah. McDonald's, yeah. even uh, cyclicals like sort yeah. of McDonald's. Anybody that sells stuff to consumers out yeah. of a retail outlet, yeah. um, they never have the debt associated with their operating leases. Yeah. And that's a big, that's basically the way I look at it, their business. If they cannot, uh, if you define debt as something that if you can't pay it, your business closes. Yeah. If Walmart cannot, uh, is fails to pay the rent on its store, the store will close. Sure. And that debt is never on the balance sheet. So that's a flag to watch out for. It's it's a flag because it's always in the... It's there. It's in the annual filings. You have to go mm-hmm. digging for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's a big thing because often for these companies, I find you you see sort of unexplained shifts in the cash flow, and there's no immediate reason why that's the case. And it's usually because the interest on uh, their operating leases has changed. Is, has changed somehow. Okay. And uh, so that's a that's the one adjustment I make to those things. So otherwise, yeah. Uh, the operating leases are usually 10, 15 years yeah. uh, at a time, so they don't tend to change too much. But, but if it, they do, yeah, be careful. 
it is also um, sort of on a tangent. We were talking about earnings, but it, a lot of these companies, if you were to look at them on a debt basis, how much debt do they carry? Yeah. The debt is always understated because most screeners out there will not consider the operating leases. I agree. I think debt is a um, is another key gating exactly. item. But yeah, that's me. a tangent. But it's but it's a different yeah. it's, a, it's a different it's again it's a different topic. Looking at the cash flows of a business and earnings is you know really important. Exactly. But a second screen, which we'll come to another another podcast, is look at the debt on the business. Does it have too much debt and what does it look yeah. like in this any way? Okay, on to from consumers into say financials, uh, uh, banks, insurance companies. Um, the funny thing about banks and insurance companies is they don't actually sell widgets. Mm -hmm. uh, they give loans and they're 30-year loans and they borrow short-term from you, the depositor, and they lend long-term and no one ever has a clue who's going to pay back and who not. And it's just impossible to know whether they're telling you the truth or not. Uh, you assume that they're good accountants, et cetera, et cetera, but it is possible to manipulate earnings. More so with finance. Than in anything else. Yeah. It's the most easy to manipulate. Now, they may, may not be doing it out of, uh, out of malice or badness, no. but it just, they may have got the loans wrong and the people may not pay them back. Um, so that's why for me, a dollar of earnings from a bank mm -hmm. is less valuable than a dollar of earnings from a healthcare company. For for banks, a good metric to judge earnings is actually your uh, the difference between how much interest they earn on the loan, yeah. So, and the interest they pay on the deposits, yeah. Which is yeah. uh, the interest margin, yeah. The, margin, the spread, yeah. Um, which is how I tend to look at a bank. It doesn't work so well for insurance companies. Sure. Banks, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's that's a key a key thing to look at. Yeah. Okay, um, healthcare. I will admit I have no idea how to look at healthcare earnings other than it's it's a sector where I look at it I'm like wow you're working on some very interesting things I kind of understand that you how you make money but not really so well I think the complexity of healthcare is is um, is, is is often exaggerated really big pharma businesses mm -hmm. are sales machines exactly. they have a product that they sell it it's a matter of how many of these widgets can they sell? Mm -hmm. And how long will they sell them for? Because often the patents uh, run out. So I, I find earnings to be a useful way to look at big pharma and the, uh, the, you know, the management companies, the equipment companies. Um, it is totally useless when it comes to biotech and new businesses, companies without earnings. Mm -hmm. And that, like the Tesla examples, is one that will park uh, for now. Which then brings us on to the last two sectors. The first one is technology where this for me is the actual absolute earnings figure is a lot less interesting than the growth of that earnings because these are growth engines. So you find yourself paying 40 times earnings for a business and you'll actually in a three years time realize that that was cheap because mm -hmm. the thing is just on, on fire in terms of growth. So for me, I find earnings a useful thing within technology, but it is, it is actually the change in that earnings rather than the absolute earnings that seems mm -hmm. to be very interesting to me. I'd agree. And uh, I, some, at some point, uh, a lot of tech companies, I try to analogize them with, you know, sort of new oil and gas mining companies, yeah. uh, which they all tend to have this inflection point. True. Where either they have a big... They're going to make it or they're not. Exactly. And usually for tech companies, as you said, it's how fast some how fast 
earnings change over a very short period of time yeah. where it becomes very obvious very fast that this company is going to survive yeah. and yeah. it's not just going to be a flash in the pan. For, for me, uh, when I look at this change in earnings, but also the change in sales, mm -hmm. I like to see <clears throat> is there a step change in the growth at the top line? And if you see that hockey stick appearing, exactly. then you know and, and hockey sticks don't appear just like that. It actually appears over a couple of quarters. You realize that it's on that hockey stick trend. And that's when you realize that these guys aren't getting to the moon. They also and have, it's rare. They very also, rare. They also have a very particular red flag, which is because of the nature of the stuff they're selling, um, it, even revenue for them is a lot more open to manipulation. Where if you're a tech company selling, uh, you know, cloud space yeah for example you get your money up front for a year yeah. for a contract and uh, you have to recognize sort of that revenue over a period yeah. of time you can change how quickly or how slowly you so choose is to the ability to do a little bit of little chicanery bit. like uh, a GE cannot say can't really change how fast medical it, appliances exactly it's it, it sold or it didn't exactly uh, something like um, but when people are prepaying you right uh, there's an ability to mess around. So, and okay. it, that exists more with tech than anybody else. So lastly, uh, and I'm being very mean to the world of telecoms by throwing them into the world of utilities, of oil and gas companies and everything else, but a lot of these companies, these utilities, gas, electricity, they're sort of the dumb pipes by now. Um, Which is not a bad thing. Hey, I love I boring love businesses. It. Me, yeah. I love boring companies because no, people forget them. It's a, it's a business that nobody can do without. That's great. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be there. Yeah. It's like, it's like buying food. You know, it's there. Um, so I, I, I think earnings does help um, here. But earnings, again, these are such boring, low growth businesses that earnings are really easy to look at. Um, and then you're actually trying to say, well, are they? What are they doing with these earnings? Mm -hmm. Because if it's a really low growth business, are they investing the money wisely or not investing the money wisely? So earnings is a useful tool, but my secondary look is how. What are they doing with my money as a shareholder? Mm -hmm. Are they investing it wisely? Well, uh, and again, yeah, for really small sort of concentrated markets for telecoms, uh, at least in the developed world. The market penetration is at such a point that they, they, even if they wanted to, or even if they were very good at investing your money, they wouldn't, just the opportunity doesn't exist. So you've seen companies like uh, Telefonica, for example, yeah. that have realized this sort of problem, and what they've chosen to do is invest abroad. Yeah. But a lot of companies just In higher don't growth do markets. That. So they worked out, Spain were saturated, we've got the growth here, we, let's, you know, go we've captured it. let's go let's go somewhere else. And they were brilliant by investing in Latin America before right. anybody else bothered. Which is also why a lot of companies, A, tend not to do that. Yeah. Uh, because it is, it's a very uh, challenging, obviously, international expansion always is. Uh, but that's why they pay a lot of, uh, like, their dividend yields are much higher. Yeah. They tend to pay out a lot of those yearly earnings, like... Uh, in North America, for telecoms, your payouts are usually 50%, 60% of the wow. earnings, and you're, you're getting about a 4 or 5% dividend yield sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So, and which is another you know, useful indicator as far as dividend yields go. It tells you how quickly or how slow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so that draws to a close uh, this uh, edition of the Stockware podcast. Um, from our perspective, uh, please 
send us a message. Let us know what you think. If there's topics that you want us to cover, we think that one of the key ones to cover next is what you do when a company doesn't have earnings. So uh, thank you for listening and thank you to Gotham for your help today. And uh, we look forward to all of your feedback. Many thanks and good luck with your investing. Please take these ideas. Now, earnings is useful, but it's not the only thing. And please get out there and let us know what good stocks you find. 